You're listening to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, your daily podcast on the Denver Nuggets. Now, here is your host from denverstiffs.com, Adam Mates. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, part of Locked On NBA Network. I'm your host, Adam Mates from denverstiffs.com, the largest Denver Nuggets blogging community on the web. Check us out. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Hopefully you checked out yesterday's episode. I had Eric Weedham on from D-Line Co., the guy that makes our awesome Denver Stiffs t-shirts um, throughout the year. He's also a graphic design uh, designer, and he just had some great stuff. I thought it was a fun conversation. I always enjoy those, talking about the new uniforms um, and, and going into great detail about, about everything there. Got some great feedback on it. Um, so if you haven't checked that one out, make sure you do because it, was, it really was a great episode. This episode of the show... I want to tie up some loose ends here. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what type of player I think Denver needs in the draft. Not necessarily getting into specifics, but just um, talking about the, you know, if there's like a, a, a prototype out there for, for what Denver's looking for. I want to give a couple loose notes about the workouts, um, you know, and just kind of what we see as media there. and Because and, I see a lot of reports. <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, coming out about, oh, so-and-so impressed, and I always kind of get a, a good chuckle out of that. Um, and then lastly, I want to talk about, and this is going to be out of left field, and, and rightfully so, but um, I want to talk about would LeBron fit in Denver. Now, LeBron's almost certainly not coming to Denver, but, you know, in a week's time, this story will no longer be pertinent, and we might as well get uh, ahead of things now and talk about it, and if, for whatever reason, rumors start to come that he, that he wants to be in Denver, great, we'll already have something on record. If not, well, at least we'll have had a, a lot of fun along the way, speculating recklessly about something that almost certainly will never happen. Um, but, but to start out, I want to talk about the draft because uh, I saw an article from Christopher Dempsey today on Nuggets.com about how this was a low-pressure draft for the Nuggets. And I think that's true. There's, I don't think there's any player that, that, that's out there that you say, oh, the Nuggets need to get this guy. Let's hope this guy falls or whatever. I mean, there's guys... Uh, Miles Bridges, for example, who, I mean, if they fell to, to in Denver's lap, it would be a, a miracle, an absolute miracle. I think you'd be very excited about that. But short of something like that happening, uh, you know, this is a draft where I think Denver, you know, there, there's not a whole ton of upside, but also probably not a whole ton of, ton of downside. But that being said, whether it's the draft, free agency, or via trade, there are some, some – what I think Denver needs is – or some of the traits that I think a, a Denver player is going to need. First and foremost, I think defensive – a defensive-minded player. Denver, I think, has the uh, capability to improve defensively. Tim Connolly addressed the media uh, earlier this week, and, and that was one of the questions was can these guys – how much better can these guys get? And uh, I think in Tim Connolly's words, he said there's no question in his mind that Nikola Jokic specifically can become an elite defender. He says you could be an elite defender athletically or intellectually, and, and he thinks that Jokic's such a high IQ player that um, you know his learning curve on that end of the floor has already sh shown that it can improve. And I think if you look at the last seven games of the year when the Nuggets went on that streak, Jokic's defense was pretty solid. Um, but you know, in years to come, I think. I, I think he can um, I think he can get even better. It was kind of fun talking to different people over the last month or so. Um, you know, just kind of asking, what do you think? How's Jokic? What do you think kind of year he's going to have? There's a lot of excitement, I would say, about the way Jokic finished the season and a lot of excitement just about, um, you know, everybody I think in the organization has been high on Jokic for a very long time, longer than most of us, but uh, if not all of us. But... I, I think that there was a real, just seeing how he played at the end there, I think there's a real excitement of, okay, 
a big milestone is is you know he he's in line for a big a big step up um here very very soon and i think there's kind of this you know this excitement and this buzz about uh you know the future of him here in denver um so short of defensive player i think a tough player as well i don't think denver has they have some tough guys i think jamal murray is tough i think um uh, Paul Millsap is tough. Mason Plumley. I mean, there's some guys on this team that I think are very, very tough, but I think they need a dog. I think they need a Patrick Beverly type player that's, you know, mixing it up and, and, and just always running hot, always running kind of uh, intense. I don't think they have that guy. Torrey Craig is the energy guy, but I wouldn't say that he's like, um, um, you know, I, th- he's not a. Uh, he. <laughs> He's not quite the bully. I think like a Marcus Smart type guy. If you're, if you're, those are two guards. But those type of players that are just when they're on the court, they're constantly trying to get into a fight. I think you need one of those type of guys. And Denver has a ton of finesse players. They have a ton of just really, really good players, skilled players. But I think one tough guy would be great. Guy also has to have a high IQ. This is a smart team. One bad apple. We watched Jordan Clarkson, and you see how you know he could come down in in this finals. You could see how he can really hijack three or four possessions in a row. Denver has an offense that is at its best the more everybody's kind of working in concert, and and they're a team that relies very heavily on ball movement uh, to create advantages in the half court. And so I think you need high IQ players and players willing to to kind of play that style. Uh, I think you need a good attitude. The Denver has. I've talked about this a lot on the show, how they've gone after good guys. Um, one of the interesting things about these workouts is trying to get a read on, on people's personalities and their opinions of themselves and things like that. And, um, but, but, you know, so they have a locker room full of really, really, I think, good, high-character guys, but I think that needs to continue more or less. You can be both tough, a dog, a bully, but also be a good attitude, good locker room guy, and I think Denver is going to be extra – cautious to kind of only bring in those types uh, I think you need length I've talked about this a lot as well that the guard spot I'm kind of out on having more than two players in your rotation that are under six foot four and a half six foot five I, I don't know that you can play like Dallas did this year with three point guards all six foot three or shorter you can have regular season success with that um, if, you, if you really are able to spread the court and you know and be efficient with that style of offense but in a playoff series it's just too easy and I think teams have teams and players have really just figured out how to take advantage of that so with Denver Jamal Murray and Gary Harris both six five ish maybe slightly below six five ish six four ish um, I don't know that you can get another guy shorter than that even even another guy at 6'5", I think, would be a, a bit pushing it. So more and more length, whether that's the guard positions or the forward positions, I think you got to be you got to be long, not just tall, but long arm, you know, long arms, high reach, uh, and so forth. And then lastly, I think positionally, small forward is the spot you would look that Denver needs the most. Um, you could put a combo forward on there. I think the game is becoming much more positionless. So more and more you think less about small forward power forward and more just about wing defender um and then i would say behind that the guard spots maybe uh I, i'm high on monte morris monte morris has been in the gym and by all accounts he is a nothing but basketball kind of guy just works on works on his game 24 7 um wants it is excited about the summer league i'm excited to see him i'm a i want to i'm i am driving the monte morris bus i believe in this dude i just like his game i haven't seen a whole lot of it so i can't be like you know, 
I have to couch it a little bit, but I really believe in his game. He's my favorite type of point guard, a high IQ, low mistake, runs the show type point guard. I think he's an ideal backup, and I hope he gets a good shot this year um, because I'm curious to see if he can uh, if he can handle that workload. And then the last position of need, I would say, is center with Jokic and Plumlee both on the roster for the next several years. I don't know that you need a third center in the rotation, especially given how much the Nuggets have a lot of players that could slide over and play center in a small ball lineup, including Millsap. Um, so, so I'm not sure that, that you need another center. But first, guys, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue, like the Denver Nuggets blue uniforms. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients Viagra and Cialis have, so you, you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no, no awkwardness, unlike this library. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com, that's the, like the color blue, B-L-U-E-Chew.com, and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code NBA. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code NBA, to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. So I want to take a second now to to talk about these workouts because there's so many reports coming out and, you know, uh, people speculate, I think, a little bit too much with some of these workouts. First of all, Ben Falk from Cleaning the Glass, he was to work for the 76ers and the Blazers. Uh, really great guy. Now he runs a great site, has talked a lot about the value of workouts, but also sort of the the problem with workouts. You do all of your scouting throughout the year, and NBA front offices put their hours in. These guys travel around the country. They watch some days 12, 13, 14 hours of film just watching guys trying to get a good read on them. And I think the sample size of a player throughout the course of their college career or professional career abroad speaks way more volumes than whatever they could possibly do in an hour and a half, two hour workout. Um, there is value to the workout, but I think that you can really become biased if, for example, a guy shot 35% in college but had a good form, and then he comes in to work out for you and he makes everything he puts up. Is that because his good form, he's it's finally starting to show signs that he actually is a good shooter and he's putting it together? Or is that you know, just an outlier and he's a 35% shooter. I think you can really get yourself into harm trying to analyze what you see from players. Uh, the value of these more often than not comes in, in just kind of seeing how these guys compete. I've heard from a lot of the players, um, not just the Nuggets, I think a lot of teams do this, but being at altitude, I think the Nuggets maybe especially do this, is they push players beyond what it would be regularly expected of them. You know, you're, you, you almost treat it like a training camp where you're not just playing to fatigue, but you're trying to push them past that to see how they respond to being incredibly tired. They try to pit guys up against, um, you know, the workouts will be scheduled, and it's hard to do this. This is probably more even later in, into the draft, but you know, if you got a player that you're concerned about them is you like all these skills, but how will they, uh, you know, handle 
super athletes because they weren't horribly athletic and at the college level maybe you don't see a bunch well they'll pair them that same day they'll bring in a guy who maybe isn't great but it, as a player but is super athletic just to kind of give that contrast and 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 to test a player or maybe they don't they don't handle physicality really well where well, we're going to bring in some guy from du who's a bruiser and we're going to tell him just be physical with this guy and and we're not going to call fouls or whatever just just be real tough and you're just wanting to see how does this guy respond does he get frustrated does he lose his head a little bit does he lose his cool does he fight through it does it does it make him more angry so i think the things like that Again, I, I think you can really over-evaluate these things, and any front office will tell you that, that you can really overthink these workouts if you take them too seriously. But I do think you try to get a read on what type of person there is. I heard one scout one time talk about how um, they loved a point guard, everything, the numbers look great, they watched them, the film looks great. They get them um, on a court through a workout, and you realize the guy never talks. He's just not a very vocal person. So uh, and, and as a point guard, you know, he just just not a leader. He's a great player, but not a leader. And, and can you have a point guard that's not, at least in some capacity, a, a, a leader? That's a, that's a question that you can have. But as far as us as the media, you have to understand that we get in at the very last part of this workout. We see each player shoot roughly 23-point shots, set shots with somebody kicking out to him. And that's it. That's all we see. So when I see reports of people saying, oh, so-and-so had a great workout today. It was great stuff. Didn't miss a shot. I'm thinking, man, you watched 20 shots. They shot, they made 15 of 20, and you're, you know, how can you possibly take anything away from these workouts? I think you can look at shooting form, um, <laughs> and then you ask other players who stood out. I mean, it's funny in the scrums. The scrums are generally, I think, nine, t nine out of ten questions are dumb anyway throughout the course of a season. Beat reporters need quotes, so you, you really got to ask dumb questions sometimes just to get – people talking but i think workout questions are, are dumber than even than most like you you ask the exact same questions over how was the workout today how did you feel with the altitude did you who stood out today what did they have you doing who did you get matched up against these type of questions and sometimes you can piece a little bit together about what went on but these guys have been so coached about what to say what not to say how to handle certain situations that more often than not they're not fruitful so people always ask me who stood out in workouts this week i got no idea um from what i saw you know I don't really think I would feel comfortable really giving any type of, um, you know, saying this guy or that guy. And then equally, the front office would never share anything. The Nuggets front office or any front office would never share anything in terms of, oh, you know who looked really great? This guy. Um, because those type of things get out. It could really affect uh, draft stock. It could get give people insights into what they're thinking. They're especially tight-lipped. So these workouts are interesting. They're, they're, they're fun to attend and all that stuff, but I, I would take all of the reports about so-and-so had a good workout, bad at workout, whatever. 99.9% um, .9 of these, there's just no um, basis in reality for them. What I we do get to see, though, is the interviews and see – uh, you know who handles those very well and I would say that I think everybody saw the Denver media with Troy Brown just how impressed they were with him um, in the media portion and again this is this should factor into his draft stock maybe less than half a percent <laughs> it, meaning it's not that important but I will say that Troy Brown crossed me as an incredibly thoughtful person he thoughtful in that um, when you ask him a question he genu genuinely thought about the question and gave an, an insightful answer and he was just uh it was kind of a joy to talk to him which is almost rare because oftentimes guys coming in at 18 19 they've been so coached not to say anything or they just give you two or three word answers and there's a lot of guys you ask them how's the workout today good good 
and, th- and that's it. <laughs> and then you say, okay, uh, how did you feel like you did? Oh, I, I did good. And, and like that's it. And you just are like, okay. I thought, um, but Troy Brown was great. I thought Zaire Smith was great with the media. He was really, really fun to talk to. Um, you know, there, 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 there were some good things. You hear some. I've heard some good things about those two in per, uh, particular. I think Josh Koji um, have heard good things just in, or, and saw heard good things from him. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think plays with a lot of intensity and just. Uh, uh, you know, some of the questions asked about him, about how you got to compete, it was fun hearing him just kind of say, like, all he kept saying was, like, I just, I'm here to compete. I'm here to show, like, I want to show that I'm better than all these guys. And you kind of, you kind of like that stuff. But, but generally speaking, the workouts have been fun. They brought, I think who they bring in is always interesting. But as far as trying to read between the lines, I don't think you should put too much stock in when you hear a report about so and so had a good workout or a bad workout. Lastly, and just for fun and to fill a third segment on a Friday, let's talk about would LeBron James fit in Denver? Okay, that's a terrible lead-in. Would LeBron fit in Denver? LeBron would fit in all 30 teams in the NBA, and some uh, he would even fit in some like uh, ABA teams or, or, or semi-pro teams. I mean, he is that good that he can carry just about any roster to being elite. But I think Denver... You know, he's not on the radar. LeBron has big plans. He wants to. He wants to grow his brand. He wants to. He has so much power and control that he could really flip pieces on a roster or influence a team to flip pieces to really try to win now. But all that being said, if we throw out all of the intangibles and just look at the roster. Denver and and LeBron actually have some interesting things. Jamal Murray and Gary Harris are elite spot up guys. Watching this finals, it's insane how hard, how difficult, really impossible to guard Cleveland is um, with LeBron on the floor. And that's with guys missing wide open shots nonstop. LeBron is generating an insane amount of wide open catch and shoot three pointers. Um, This he always has, but it seems like especially so now as they're playing more and more five out, four out style basketball, how many open shots they're getting. The Cavs are going to get swept in this finals because they went up against a historically great team that they could not defend, not because they could not score on them. Golden State is an elite defense, but you wouldn't know it from watching them because the Cavs are that good at just carving them up in large part, if not exclusively, because of LeBron James. If you gave him Jamal Murray and Gary Harris as spot-up guys, Gary Harris and Jamal Murray are both going to be 40% three-point shooters for a very, very, very long time. And if you were able to generate even more open looks than they already do in this offense, I think it would be. Um, I, j- I just think it would it would be incredible to watch. You also have secondary playmakers uh, on the court. Obviously, Nikola Jokic would move from the primary playmaker to the secondary playmaker. But even when you're watching this. Cavs team there's really you know Kevin loves a good player but he can't really run an offense the way that Nikola Jokic can he's more of a finisher he has some other skills he can pass he's a smart high IQ player and all those things but he's more of a finisher in my opinion Jokic more of a starter but more of a facilitator and so having that secondary playmaker LeBron draws so much attention that he creates an advantage in the half court if you put LeBron attacking or I'm sorry Jokic attacking four on three he's going to make so many great plays in in that offense that I think it would really work, and Yoke, and then Jamal Murray, you know, is a guy that uh, I think can put the ball on the floor and create his own offense and create for others. If you gave him Jokic and LeBron, a defense would be so occupied with those guys that I think Murray would would turn into a Steph Curry light type player almost immediately, just in terms of he would have favorable matchups quite frequently. The defense would be occupied elsewhere, and he would just be able to eat uh, a lot. 
And then Jokic, I think, would kill on offense. Now, there is a part of it that LeBron turns everybody on all of his rosters into role players. This is a very real thing. Chris Bosh was a better player than he showed, especially Biggs. Kevin Love, a better player than he showed. Those guys become cogs in a machine, and they only tap about 30 40% of their potential when they're playing alongside LeBron. I think the same thing would be true of Nikola Jokic. He would get fewer touches, and he would become much, much more of an off-ball guy. But I do think there is at least more of a chance for Nikola Jokic to be unique to LeBron in that I think LeBron would uh, eventually come to trust and also rely on Jokic to have the ball in his hands to set things up for, for other people because he's more capable of it. And, and because, of, um, because the Nuggets have been able to have a high-octane offense already, I think that it would just take a little bit of the offensive playmaking burden off of LeBron. So as much as I think it, it, the, the, the one thing about LeBron – theoretically ever coming to Denver the one thing that would be tough is that it would I think diminish Jokic's career arc as an individual um, but I don't think it would be to the extent that Kevin Love just became a spot-up shooter I don't think Jokic would be standing in the corner just spotting up I think he would be have a much more active role I'm not sure what role Paul Millsap would play in the starting five you know there's obviously ways to make it work I think as a closing center small ball center that's it's it would be an absolutely killer lineup with um, basically LeBron and Millsap as your four and your five. Um, but as, as far as a starting lineup goes, there's ways to make it work, but I think it would look a little bit like this year where maybe the lane's not quite as open as, as it could be if you only had one true big on the floor. I think players like Trey Lyles, Wancho Hernan Gomez, and Tyler Lydon, as well as Malik Beasley, all become instantly playable because what's the one thing all four of those guys can do at a high level, NBA level, is shoot the ball. Lyles, Wancho, I, I'd say Wancho, Leiden and Beasley, all elite level catch and shoot three point shooters, and Trey Lyles, well above average, as in addition to being 6'10 and mobile. So I think all of those guys become very, very useful players. And you have a rotation that really does legitimately run that deep because they would just be they would be elite finishers in, in a spread pick and roll style. Um, there's also an, a possibility. That, you know, if LeBron, for whatever reason, again, this is such a hypothetical, we're talking about like less than a half a percent chance of this, but it's kind of a fun thought experiment. If a player like that, LeBron said he wants to come to Denver under one condition, and that was that you traded Nikola Jokic, because as we're finding out in these finals, you have to be ready to defend now, and maybe Jokic can get there, but does LeBron trust that Jokic will be there in 2018-19 as a, as a high-level defender at the center position? If, if Maybe if that's a concern and he says, look, I'll come there, but you gotta you got to trade him. Jokic is my favorite nug nugget of all time, so I would not want to do this. But theoretically, if you did uh, have to trade him, Nikola Jokic's trade value is so insanely high. You could trade him for almost anything, even after signing him to this max extension. You could trade him for almost anything. So if LeBron said, you know what, I like Millsap, I like Murray, I like Harris, but Jokic got to go, you could trade Jokic for Kawhi Leonard or you know, like a, a player of that caliber, somebody that good, because that's that that's kind of how that's how valuable he is. So you could end up building a super team that maybe wouldn't have the longevity of just keeping Jokic and building around him, but. Um, at the very least, you could create a, a team with a window of opportunity, maybe a year or two, and 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 maybe a, a a greater chance of winning a finals than the Nuggets have ever had a chance to. So just something to think about. Again, by the time I record next Friday, these these even hypotheticals will likely have been smashed by then. But it, it's at least fun to kind of as a thought experiment to kind of think about where the team is at and what they would have to do in order to make something like that work. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Be back again next week with some new episodes.
Thanks for listening to the Locked On Nuggets podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com.